Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, if you know my history, I've done a stint in the charismatic movement in what was known as the Latter Reign. And the Latter Reign was one of these early versions of the NAR, and my wife and I First year of our marriage, we were, well, in it deep is the best way I can put it. And I remember when I was first coming in contact with charismatics, it wasn't in the Latter Rain movement. It was people who were experimenting with the, the spirit at uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in their afterglows and things like this. And I remember very vividly when I was first encountering people who were claiming to have these experiences thinking to myself, well, what do I need to do in order to be able to have those experience? How come they glow in the dark and I don't? And that's one of the insipid things here in the charismatic movement, the latter reign and the Pentecostal movement, is over and again, you, you the person who is first exposed to these things is left wondering, is, is that really God who's behind what I'm looking at here? Answer, no, it uh, he isn't. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to do something a little bit different in that we're going to cover somebody we haven't covered before because he's an up-and-comer in the Latter Rain movement, recently published his first book with Destiny Image Publishing, and we're going to look at how all of this works, and hopefully I can peel back the, the very obvious, if you're looking for it, you know what you're looking for, the very obvious legalism and meritorious self-righteousness that exists within the charismatic movement, the NAR, and the latter reign. So let, let's do this. Let's whirl up the desktop and then pull up the old web browser. And uh, this is uh, David Edwards. David Edwards, and uh, he has recently published a book called Mystify. Mystify, the operating in the mystery of God. And boy, oh boy, is uh, this is really bad. The, what we're going to see here is the best way I can describe it is is uh, we're going to hear him make claims of just how on fire he is, and then that this on fire and expectation and yearning within him has earned him the right to, well, disconnect from the natural world and zip around the universe uh, in, in kind of astral projection form. And what we're going to do is we're going to test things along the way. And since he's not all that well known, he's uh, recently appeared on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural and and kind of done the cadre of, uh, of different programs that are put out by the It's Supernatural network. He, he's an up and coming guy. And so he's not currently the bee's knees. Could he become the bee's knees? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Uh, but since he isn't all that popular, it makes it a little bit easier to unpack the bad theology behind all of this. Reason being is because once somebody ascends to the highest chairs in uh, in the NAR and the latter reign, and and they're they're out there doing the whole circuit. What ends up happening is is that 
people turn off their discernment. But when they're new on the scene, they're a little bit more open to actually testing uh, because they don't know the person. They're not invested and uh, not emotionally and not invested in, you know, financially yet. And, and so all of the things that have a tendency to turn people off to being able to actually test the way scripture tells us to, you know, it when somebody's entrenched, it becomes almost impossible. Hence, Kenneth Copeland. You remember March of 2020? COVID-19, yeah, that guy, you know, he still is rich and popular as ever. Go figure. But, uh, you know, David Edwards, eh, not so much. We've never heard of this guy. So this is kind of a first introduction. That being the case, uh, we can show you how this this what we're seeing in this theology applies to all of these people but because he's new on the scene and no one really recognizes his face at least not that many people and he's only just fought, published his first book you know maybe just maybe people in the charismatic movement will be willing to okay but this guy maybe will do some biblical testing Good, that's kind of the point here. So we're going to start off with the uh, Supernatural Stories channel. Uh, I, I think this is part of Sid Roth's It's Supernatural Network. And, uh, and you'll note that the name of this video, I did this... And I found myself in the heavenlies. What's the what's what's being inferred here? Well, you can do this too, and you can find yourself in the heavenlies, swirling around the universe faster than the speed of light. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. I'm not. And so let me let me get to some important business here. I'm going to dislike that video. Uh, but uh, let's listen to David Edwards, the uh, director of the uh, School of Revivalist in Destin, Florida, author of Mystify, and uh, and first time out, you know, that most people never even have heard of this guy, but uh, let's test his uh, handling of scripture and kind of work through how would we test somebody making claims like him? Here we go. Hi, my name is David Edwards. I'm the director of School of Revivalist in Destin, Florida. Florida and the author of Mystify. And I really burn to experience God in supernatural ways. And in fact... Okay, see right there. I really burn to experience God in supernatural ways. Is that a humble brag? What is that? It's not even humble. I mean, see, the reason why you don't have these supernatural experiences is because you don't burn for them the way David Edwards does. But don't worry, he's got a book and he's got merchandise to help you to burn enough. And you'll note that's the important word, enough. You see, in the charismatic movement, you got, you've got these different levels. You got the people who glow in the dark, who, you know, well, like David Edwards. And he has these experiences that you, know, you just sit there and go, well, I never have anything like that happen to me because you're not burning enough. But he does. But don't worry, he has a book, he'll sell it to you, and you can learn how to burn enough like he does. So let me back this up. Again, this is not a humble brag. This is straight out spiritual conceit. I'm the director of School of Revivalist in Destin, Florida, and the author of Mystify. And I really burn to experience God in supernatural ways. And in fact... He does. He, he apparently does. Now, I'm going to just do a little bit of uh, comparative work here. Uh, here's his appearance on Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, and we'll see what the setup My is My guest here. was minding his own business, just yeah. watching TV at home. You know, just playing video games and Suddenly, stuff. 
suddenly, he had a suddenly. Flames of fire burst through both openings of his study. Did he call 911? Wrapped around the entryway and exploded into lightning. That's in his home, inside. He asked the same question you would. What just happened? Next. Yeah, so apparently this can happen to you My too. My guest, David Edwards, wants to invite you. I mean, that means you, <laughs> you that are watching me right now, to experience the presence of God in the elements of creation. He's talking about natural elements being supernaturally affected by the Spirit of God. David, what do you mean by natural elements? What kinds? We've seen the four elements of creation, earth, wind, fire, and water, Earth, wind, fire, and water. All right, so let's uh, do a little work here. Found a pagan website. Um, you know, so back in May of May six of twenty nineteen, paganism and Wicca basics. Okay, uh, the four classical elements. All right, let's take a look here. In many modern day pagan belief systems, there's a good deal of focus on the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. A few traditions of Wicca also include a fifth element, which is a spirit or self, but that's not a universal among all pagans. Earth, wind, fire. Yeah, so already I'm sitting here going, this sounds like pagan mystery religions, not an actual emphasis and a doctrine taught in scripture. What is this? So, you know, already the things are disconnected from any sound biblical exegesis or any biblical doctrines. Let me back this up. Here we go. Natural elements. What kinds? We've seen the four elements of creation, earth, wind, fire, and water. We had the fire of God up here. We had lightning strike inside of a building. Are you sure that was God? In one meeting, we even felt what was like raindrops or mist coming down. And so all of these elements have combined to reveal something new that God's speaking today. So the primary elements of Wicca, earth, wind, fire, water, um, they've combined to, how did you put it again? We even felt what was like raindrops or mist coming down. And so all of these elements have combined to reveal something new that God's speaking today. They've combined to reveal something new God is speaking today. All right. Let's take a look at his intro to the It's Supernatural Network, Supernatural Encounters with Jesus and the Invisible World. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Something More. I'm Donna Chase. What a, just an absolutely wrong <laughs> concept. Something more. The Bible isn't enough. No, no, you need something more. And my guest today is a teacher. He's an author and he's a revivalist. Please welcome David Edwards. Hi, David. Hey. <laughs> all right, first of all, you're a revivalist. Characterize that for me. I'm somebody who burns for revival. He, he burns for revival. <laughs> Is that a humble brag? No, that's just a brag. Okay, that's the insipid bit of all of this. 
you know, he, he's like one of the star-bellied sneeches who's the best on the beaches because he burns for, you know, revival. I'm somebody who just expects God to move. He, he just expects him. See, you know, the reason why God doesn't move in your life because you just don't expect, important word, enough. He does. But you don't. That's why you don't glow in the dark like you Everywhere, does. every single day I wake up, there's this expectation that God wants to do something amazing, maybe even something brand new the world's never even seen before. Ooh. Something brand new the world's never, God wants to, so I just have this expectation. Each and every day, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm on the hunt for what God is doing. Ooh, I like that. But revival for me is a, it's, it's not just a series of meetings where everybody feels God. That's amazing. That's all. Revival for me. His personal definition of the word. You so, know. But when I when I talk about revival, what I'm leaning into is the fact that what I'm leaning into. See, have you leaned in enough? See, the reason why this doesn't happen to you is because you just haven't leaned in enough like he has. God created a heavenly family, Father, Son, Spirit. And when he created us, he included us in that family. Yes. So when I say revival, I feel like that's people everywhere be discovering their identity as sons and daughters of God. And discovering their identity as sons and daughters of God. Revival in the past usually involves, you know, Preaching the law, sinners recognizing their sinners and they cannot save themselves. Hearing that Jesus has bled and died for their sins. And them, well, responding in the, in, in the sense that, uh, that God has worked within them. True repentance and faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And then bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. A, a humble life as a Christian. God's plan for the earth being restored and revived in our generation. Mm -hmm. Okay, hang on a second. This is an important thing to hear in context. I feel like that's people everywhere be discovering their identity as sons and daughters of God and God's plan for the earth being restored and revived in our generation. Mm -hmm. God's plan for the earth. God, Christ is going to destroy the earth when he returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. The plan is new heavens, new earth. We preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching all that Christ has commanded until the end of the age. Um, what are you talking about? So as a revivalist, I'm really into seeing, seeing God's family restored. He does that, does that through signs, wonders, miracles. What about the gospel? Um, because if we're not... Um, if we're not Christians, we haven't been adopted back into the family of God. We are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See Ephesians 2, 3. So already we got a problem. He's not addressing the sin issue, saying the issue is that we just need to restore our understanding of being, uh, you know, uh, having our identity as part of the family of God without the cross. Apparently that's not necessary. And how does this come about? Through signs and wonders and thingies and stuff. This is not Christianity. This is something very different. So let's go back here um, to his, uh, con you know, his humble brag about, you know, he burns for revival. And I want to share one of my supernatural stories with you. Not a Bible text and one of your supernatural stories. And so you're, you're going to ask yourself, is this from God or not? You'll see as we kind of unpack this, how you test things like this. Always and again, the action is where... Uh, he touches the scriptures. Does he rightly handle God's word? God longs for those who long for him. Thesis statement, God longs for those who long for him. Do you have a biblical text for that, please? 
I, you know, I can think of Jesus talking to that Samaritan woman that uh, the Father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. That's different than this. And if we're willing to pray to spend our lives, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in that secret place. Okay, now this is where he, he really touches the scripture for the first time. Matthew 6, 6. Let's take a look at it in context, and uh, we'll see if he's rightly handling this passage. All right, so in uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, so this is one of the subsections of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So this portion of scripture is about what? Hypocrisy. I'm going to practice my piety, my praying, my tithing. I'm going to do it in such a way that other people notice me and say, oh, what a holy, godly man you are, right? So beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's our thesis statement, and that's the context here. Thus, when you give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, and watch how the parallel works in in, uh, verse 6. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, so that nobody else can see it. That's the whole point. And your father who sees in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, here's the verse. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. So there's your context. In context, is Matthew 6 saying that you have to go into the secret place and with a heart of expectancy. And when you do, well, God's going to, you know, give you heavenly encounters. Answer, no. So here... This is his first time touching a biblical verse, and if he's really hearing from God the Holy Spirit, if this is really an encounter that God the Holy Spirit wants you to have, the immediate question is then, why is he twisting God's word? Because that's what the devil does. Those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. The devil is the father of lies, and he manipulates the scripture to make it say things it doesn't say. So listen again. For willing to pray to spend our lives, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in that secret place. Are you willing to spend your lives, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in the secret place? And note, that's the currency that uh, that earns you the right to have heavenly encounters. With you. God longs for those who long for him. And if we're willing to pray to spend our lives, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in that secret place, we're going to unlock this amazing supernatural world that's available to us. If we're willing to go to the secret place, then we will unlock. In other words, according to their theology, you merit heavenly encounters 
based upon what you do. You unlock them by your actions, by your yieldedness, by your surrender, by your expectation, your yearning. You merit these encounters by your works. And this runs afoul of, if, of Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, here's what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's the second one, by the way, not by works of the law. Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So we got a big problem here. This is self-righteousness. You earn, you unlock these encounters by what you do. You have to prove to God that you're worthy. And why is this guy doing this? Because he's, he's, he burns for encounter. And you, you can have these encounters too if you burn like he does. Hmm. Pray to spend our lives, as Matthew 6, 6 says, in that secret place. We're going to unlock this amazing supernatural world that's available to us. You know, it says many call, are called, but few are chosen. All right, so next handling of scripture, told twisting again. Many are called, but few are chosen. Is that in the in the category of you earn your right to have spiritual encounters by your expectation and yieldedness? Well, let's take a look. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And he was quoting, what, verse 14? So we're going to apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are what? Context, context, context. And you're going to note here that this is part of a parable. Hmm. All right. Is this a parable about, well, you know, people who are, have expectation by going into the secret place who then unlock spiritual encounters? Let's take a look. Again, Jesus spoke to them in a parable saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Hmm. You know, maybe like God the Father and Jesus is the Son. Something like that, right? And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. You know, maybe like the prophets being sent to the Israelites, calling them to repent. Or Jesus himself going and, you know, and calling them to repent. Again, he said, to his, uh, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them, you know, like the prophets. So the king was angry, and he sent his troops to destroy those murderers and burn their city. And then he said to his servants, well, the wedding feast is ready, but those who are, who are invited were not worthy. You think of, you know, the people of, the, of Israel at the time of Christ, who they were invited to the wedding feast, and what did they do? They, they crucified Jesus. So go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. 
Okay. And those servants went out into the roads and they gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. The kingdom of heaven is open up to all sinners now, everybody, you know? So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But here's the thing. When you are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb, you dare not show up in your own righteousness, in your own street clothes. You are given the wedding garments by the king himself, and you don't put them on, you are dissing the king. So when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, and by the way, the Greek here is probably better translated buddy. Hey, buddy, how'd you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called, few are chosen. All right, so what we're going to do, we'll put a link down below to a sermon I preached not that long ago on this exact text if you want to get a further, uh, you know, better exegetical understanding of what's going on here. But I assure you, this has nothing to do with you burning with enough desire to have encounters so that God, then many are called, few are chosen. Okay, so now he's mishandled a second passage, and I mean badly. So let's do this. It's available to us. You know, it says many call, are called, but few are chosen. And who are the ones who are chosen? I think they're the ones who show up. And so one of the ways that we can... I think you're, those are the ones who show up. That guy showed up. He, was, he just wasn't wearing the wedding garments. He showed up, man. And he was cast into outer darkness. So note, why isn't the Holy Spirit saying to this guy, Stop twisting my word! He's not hearing from the Holy Spirit. These are not encounters from God. Their source is a different source. Go up is by saying, Jesus, I'm going to choose to be with you in private. All right, so let me back this up here Who are the ones who are chosen? I think they're the ones who show up. And so one of the ways that we can show up is by saying, Jesus, I'm going to choose to be with you in private. That has nothing to do with any of the passages that you've quoted, Matthew 6, 6 or Matthew 22, 14. Our private lives fuel our public lives. In it. Our private lives fuel our public lives. In other words, you earn encounters, you know, in public based upon your private earnings. Sets us on fire to be a light to the world, to our cities, to our friends and family. Notice the New Age music, too, in the background, right? So one day I was doing just that. I was actually in the study of my old home, and I was praying. I, I, was, on my, I was on my knees with my head between my knees, and I was just going for it. I was doing my due diligence to pray. I was doing my due diligence. I was doing my part. I was earning an encounter with God. This is a form of self-righteous legalism. And to seek God and to seek His face. But I wasn't really feeling much. I kept having to push past distraction. It's like God was speaking, but there was only silence in that moment. And I came to a crossroads. It was one of those times where, wow, maybe, maybe I'm done praying. Maybe, that, maybe that's all there is for right now. Maybe I should go make myself a cup of coffee and watch TV. You know, I've already checked off praying today. But something inside of me said, Keep seeking me. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe that voice is God at all. In fact, biblically, we can rule God out. That wasn't God talking to you. And you're going to find out something new, something more. And so I pushed past all those distractions that many of us have every single day. 
Yeah, he earned this, man. He put he even pushed past all those distractions. He kept going, man. And as I began to wait on the Lord, all of a sudden I heard, it sounded like somebody ran up on my front porch. Now I became instantly aware of the spirit. You sure? Okay. Knew it wasn't the UPS, man. I knew it wasn't a friend stopping by. And then the next moment, my entire house began to shake. Wow, I can feel this presence began to shake. And you sure it wasn't a UPS truck driving by? Vibrate in the presence of the Lord. And Maybe it was a semi truck. Laying there almost in awe, like, what do I do? What do you do when your house begins to shake? I, the pirate cave is on the third floor of my 101 year old house. When a semi truck passes by with a full load, oh, the whole thing shakes. You know what I do? Ignore it. I was excited though, because I read the Bible and I knew that there are stories in the Bible when God's presence was so powerful that the natural environment around would begin to respond. Could you give me an example of that in context? I would like to know which passages of scripture you're referring to in context. Now, I've been in a couple of earthquakes. You know, I lived in Georgia at the time, so. I grew up in Southern California. I'm very familiar with earthquakes. Isn't like a crazy. In fact, I, you know, I'm so familiar with earthquakes. When my wife and I lived there, if there was ever an earthquake that happened in the middle of the night, uh, and my wife would always panic whenever there was an earthquake. Yeah, you know, she's there's an earthquake, Chris. What do we do? I said, well, it feels like it's only like a five, and she goes, how do you know what it is? And I just, just you'll see. And so, you know, we turn on the television and and wait, you know, for everything to settle down. And somebody says, we've just had an earthquake here in Southern California, and we're checking with Caltech. Caltech, can you tell us about that earthquake? And Caltech would say, yes, that was a, that was a 5.0. That was, a, and, and my wife would say, how did you know that? It's like, I've been through so many of these things I kind of know. <laughs> if if I'm ever there in Southern California and things start shaking and I head towards a door, you know, to uh, to shelter up, you know it's a big one because uh, I'm familiar with how earthquakes work. Earthquake, but I knew it wasn't an earthquake. It was as if the walls were doing this fine buzzing, this fine vibrating uh, type of motion. And I remember thinking, now, based upon the fact he's twisting God's word every time he he touches it or quotes it, he's misquoting it and mangling it. Again, God is not the one who's the source of any of this stuff. This is happening. Like, this is happening. My house is actually shaking. Like, wow, like, what do I do? And above me at the time, there's this glass chandelier. And I kept thinking, I really hope the chandelier doesn't fall and stab me in the back. Oh, wow, my house is shaking. And the, the presence of something like that so amazing just began to um it even reminded me of an earlier encounter i had mm -hmm. i heard about some people who would just let's take a look at his book just out of curiosity mystify operating in the mystery of god has christianity been turned into one of the ancient pagan mystery religions that's that's just weird because I thought the mystery of God is really all about, you know, Christ, Jesus, right? Hmm. All right. You know, let's just kind of go forward. Endorsements, Brian Guerin, Steve Hale, Josh and Sulla Skiles. Boy, this is like, you know, uh, heresy list extraordinaire. Okay. Let's see what else we can forward. All right. Let's see what the forward. The forward is by Papa. Is that a pope? Is that a that isn't that what a pope is? A papa, Pope Leif Leif Hetland. 
If you dare to read this entire book, it has the potential to create a hunger or even more dangerous, a desperation for a new experience with God. I have learned that people with a fresh encounter become people you must encounter. David Edwards, the author of Mystify, is a spiritual son and a friend of God. In the past several years, I've noticed that heaven is very attractive to him. And I can count at least a dozen times that signs and wonders follow Dave because he believes. To be honest, if I read this book, uh, if I read this book 25 years ago, I would have been a skeptic because of my strict conservative Baptist background in my theology. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got a problem here, and that is is that th- this is not biblical. And then you'll note then the pagan elements: earth, wind, fire, water. They all show up here. Yeah, this this is not sound biblical exegesis at all. So let's come back Wait on the Lord. There's there's something about waiting. The Bible says that the so he he waits long enough to now. wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. Yeah, you think Isaiah forty is about you waiting on the Lord so that you can have a spiritual encounter? Well, let's take a look. All right, let's see here. We're going to open up an Old Testament text. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, let's just back this up. Verse 31 is the place where he wants to go. So let's take a look at it in context. Um, All right, let's see here. We'll start at verse 25, which, by the way, Isaiah 40, major important text as it relates to there being only one God and idols are are not that God at all. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by numbers, calling them all by name. You'll note that in the ancient pagan mystery religions, they worship the sun, the moon, the stars, and the constellations. Constellations. Uh, the ancient mystery religions all always had to do with like, uh, you know, astral archaeology, you know, aligning their buildings with the sun on the on the winter solstice so that the sunbeams can penetrate a barrier and impregnate the earth. Yeah, and, and Venus was always a big thing. And so back in Isaiah's days, uh, it, it talks about the fact that the uh, the the the, uh, the clan of Judah, which was the only the they were the only ones standing after the northern kingdom had been scraped out because of their idolatry, that they too were following the way of the northern kingdom and were worshiping the starry host. But God here is saying, "I'm in charge." Okay, he says, to whom then will you compare me? Lift up your eyes and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not miss, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from Yahweh, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall and be exhausted. But they who wait on Yahweh, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yeah, you see, uh, that has nothing to do with 
waiting for spiritual encounters. You know, his house is shaking. So he's waiting, 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 because rising up like on wings of eagles means zipping around the universe in an astral projection style. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Let's keep going. And so I was waiting on the Lord one day at a prayer meeting in a chair, not too dissimilar from this. And I'd heard about people having encounters in the cosmos, in the galaxies. And I leaned back in my chair and I leaned my heart. Ready for takeoff. Three, two, one. Towards the Lord. And in the next moment, I find myself circling around a galaxy faster than the speed of light. I could see the core of the and what is the purpose of that galaxy i can see the spiral arms coming off of so this is new age astral projection now clothed in christian drag galaxy i can see the lights and the colors and i was on earth but i found myself in the heavenly place and i was like whoa this is too much whoa dude totally tubular man it was like trying to hang on to the back of a roller coaster and in the next moment after i thought if you're, uh, if you're on the back of a roller coaster hanging on, you're going to die. You might want to start praying. Man, this feels too much. I found myself back in the chair. Oh, I, I know, Lord, I said it was too much, but I wanted to experience more. And then I went back. Why? Back in the next moment, I, I, I disconnected myself from the earthly realm. And I he disconnected himself from the earthly realm. This is astral projection. By the way, I did check with Melissa Doherty on this one. She's a former New Ager. Sent her the video and said, is this astral projection? And she said, yep, <laughs> it, this is. I found myself swirling around a galaxy faster than the speed of light. You know, it says in Ephesians 2 that. Swirling around. Yeah. Are you familiar with the throne builders? Or seated next to Jesus in heavenly places. Our origin is. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Misquoting Ephesians 2 6. It's not talking about having astral projection out of body experiences there at all. Other God breathing his supernatural life and substance into us. This sounds like Gnosticism. Supernaturally supernatural. We have the supernatural reality of God in our DNA. And so, What are you talking about? Which biblical text talks this way? For us to be in his presence causes us to come more alive than we ever have been or that we've ever known. And even in sharing these encounters with you right now, I can feel God's presence beginning to fill the studio. Mm-hmm. Total manipulation. I can feel the wind of God is even kind of flowing across my hands. Total deceptive manipulation. Even now. There's no reason to believe this is God at all. You, Every time you handle a biblical text, you twist it and make it say something it doesn't say. I know for a fact you're not from God. Now, a little bit of a note here. Uh, when he was on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural, well, you know, he was always, you know, he's selling merch. So let's take a look at the uh, the plug for the merch, shall we? powerful three-part audio CD teaching series, The Power of Expectation, and his brand new anointed book, Miss... It's not just a book. It's an anointed book. It's a Christos. It's exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9743 through David Edwards' powerful three-part audio CD teaching series, The Power of Expectation. David unveils the keys to expand your faith and... 
keys to expand your faith. You can't find these in the Bible, but you can find them in his book, Mystify, and in his three-part CD thing. Position you for whatever miracle you need. Yeah, so you can position yourself. Listen again. This is all you earn. Unveils the keys to expand your faith and position you for whatever miracle you need. You, you expand your faith. You position yourself for whatever miracle you need. It's up to you. Supernatural healing, deliverance, divine provision, a deeper and more experiential relationship with God in a way you never thought possible before. The three teachings David shares in this series are God's glorious sons and daughters, overcoming fear and fueling faith, positioned for miracles. Are you positioned for miracles and astral projection and stuff? In this series, you will learn keys to creating a heart of expectation. Have you created a heart of expectation? That's probably the reason why you don't have supernatural encounters like, you know, <clears throat> David Edwards does. Steps to overcome fear and increase your faith. How to release God's glory wherever you are positioned. Are you releasing God's glory wherever you're positioned? What is the cash value of that sentence? David ends each teaching with anointed prayers for... Not just prayers, anointed prayers. Activating the power of expectation in your life. Have you had the uh, power of expectation activated in your life? Well, for only $35, you know, you can get on it right now. Just call the 888-866 toll-free number down below or click on the link in the description. <clears throat> this is a form of self-righteous legalism. You earn these encounters based upon what you do, you release, you activate, you, it's all up to you. And of course, the reason why David Edwards is there is because he, he burns enough. He's activated enough. He's unleashed the keys. He's unlocked the, the, the stuff so that he now has these roller coaster rides through the universe He's, he's disconnects himself from earthly reality and spins around our galaxy faster than the speed of light. Do you want to do that too? For only 35 bucks, you can. This is not the Holy Spirit. And you can tell by the way he mishandles God's word and the insipid conceit and arrogance that is just oozing from every pore of his body. And you sit there and go, how come I never The reason why you don't do any of that is because God never promised any of that to anybody. And these people who are claiming this, the spirit that is at work in them is not God, the Holy Spirit. This takes your eyes off of Christ and him crucified for our sins. The gospel that he's claiming is at the heart of his definition of revival isn't the biblical gospel at all. It has nothing to do with calling sinners to repentance and being forgiven and pardoned by the mercy and grace won by Christ on the cross and us being adopted as sons. Although we were born under the dominion of darkness, but receiving from God what we do not deserve, and that's forgiveness, pardon, and grace, and an inheritance in the world to come. Oh, all of that's off to the wayside. Now you can just spend a little bit of money and he'll teach you the keys to activate these things. This is all Gnosticism. This is pagan mystery religion stuff here. These encounters are not from God, the Holy Spirit. The one behind them is, is actually the Prince of Darkness himself. There's no other way to say it. So if you know anybody who is falling for these types of doctrines or is thinking, you know, maybe I should probably buy that book by David Edwards, send him this video and pray for them. Pray that God would open their eyes to the truth 
and recognize that his gifts are not for sale. They're all for free because of what Christ has done. Christ has given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given us himself. He's given us pardon and peace and an inheritance in the world to come by grace, all through faith as a gift. You don't have to earn it at all. So what do we do in the meantime? We believe, even though we suffer. Even though we do not have our best life now, that's not what promised to us. That's coming in the world to come. And these encounters and all this kind of nonsense, this is from the new age and from Wicca and from paganism and old mystery religions. This has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.